Hello, my name is Jordan Tardo, and I'm the lead pastor at Experience Church. I'd like to take a moment and just say thank you so much for tuning in to our podcast today. I hope this message blesses you. I hope it encourages you. I hope it strengthens you for what God has called you to today. We've been in a series uh, called Beatitudes. And really, if you look at the scripture in Matthew chapter 5, if you've not followed along with us, no worries. In Matthew chapter 5, Jesus uh, really starts this sermon that they call the Sermon on the Mount. And really, Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7 is all this one sermon that Jesus is preaching. And the beginning of Matthew chapter 5, he goes over these eight Beatitudes, is what we call them. And he talks about blessed are those that do these certain things. And so I want to show it to you today uh, in Matthew chapter 5, starting in verse 2. It says, and he began to teach those or them, and he said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who, are hunger, who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. And then today I want to talk to you about verse 8, and that is blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. I believe I want to talk to you today about blessed are the pure in heart. And you may be in the room or online and say, oh, no, not another purity message. I've gone to church. I've heard the purity message. Stay pure. Stay pure. 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 If you're old like me, you had the purity ring. Come on, somebody with the purity rings. Anybody in the room, you had a purity ring. Come on, somebody. Somebody. Nobody had a purity ring. Wow. Okay, one, we had one. See, me and you, we going to heaven. You know what I'm saying? The rest, everybody else, girl, let me tell you something. We're going to be praying for them. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm just joking. I'm just joking. So if you don't know what it was, back in the day, you'd go to this conference, and you'd go to the conference, and at the end of the conference, you would commit to being pure, and then you'd get a ring, and then you'd wear a ring on your wedding finger at the age of 14. Everybody thought we were married. You know what I'm saying? Anyways, it doesn't matter. Purity rings. But you may say, oh, not another purity message. I've heard it. I know about purity. I know I'm supposed to stay pure. I'm glad you know those things. And today I don't really want to talk to you about that side of it as much as I want to talk to you about being pure in heart. Because that's what Jesus says, blessed are the pure in heart. And I love this because when he says blessed are the pure in heart, it shows us that purity is obtainable. See, oftentimes in a culture in our society with as, as impure and as corrupt and as wicked as our society is when it comes to purity, as corrupt and wicked as it is, we can almost look at purity as this pipe dream. This like, yeah, it's this faraway fantasy of, yeah, we're trying, Pastor Jordan. Like, yeah, I know we can do it. Like, I know the business world, it's cutthroat out there, so you got to cut corners sometimes or you got to walk on, t- or crawl on, not crawl on top, or step over people or whatever. Like, you know, it, it's tough out there. And we can almost think of purity as this faraway dream. When I love Jesus, he says, blessed are those, meaning it's obtainable. He doesn't say blessed maybe are those. For some that maybe try and maybe can, maybe can't. No, he says blessed are. It shows us a picture that purity is obtainable and living a pure life is obtainable. Psalms chapter 51 and verse 10, David is writing this psalm and he says, create in me a pure heart, O God. Renew a right spirit within me. Do not banish me from your presence and don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will return to you. Deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed, O God. You 
who are God my Savior, and my tongue will sing of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth will declare your praise. You do not desire a sacrifice, or I would offer one. You do not want a burnt offering. The sacrifice you desire is a broken spirit. You will not reject a broken and repentant heart. I love David here. He's talking in the psalm, and he says, God, I want you to create in me a pure heart. And so I want to talk to you today from these seven verses, really what it looks like to have a pure heart. I love it. In verse 10, he says, create in me a pure heart. Create in me a pure heart. He doesn't say, God, wash my old heart and then make it pure. He says, create in me a pure heart. Shows us this, that a pure heart starts with a new heart. A pure heart is a new heart. I love it. In Ezekiel chapter 36 and verse 26, he says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. See, oftentimes as humans, what we can do is we can have this old heart and we can get caught up in all the old things of life and all the things of the desires and the flesh and all these different things. And we get caught up in, in sin and we can try to be good enough for God. And so what we try to do is we try to work our way in to being clean. And so then from clean, then God will, then God will love us or then God will forgive us and then God will renew us and then God will restore us. But I love David. He doesn't say we have to do any of those things. In fact, he says, create in me a clean heart. Create, meaning it's not there. I need a new heart. It's kind of like an illustration I had just recently. I got uh, a couple weeks ago, I got the, the privilege of going on one of those obstacle runs. Y'all ever done one of those obstacle runs? If you don't know what I'm talking about, it's pretty much one of those runs where you run throughout the fields and all the little woods and all of a sudden they just like, hey, jump in the mud. You know what I'm saying? Y'all know what I'm talking about? So yo, you know what I'm talking about? Okay, well, let me tell you what it is. It's like you do obstacles, all of a sudden you jump in the mud. That's what it is. Okay. Okay. Anyway, so they give you a shirt. They give you a shirt, and this is the shirt they give you. And notice the shirt, it says finisher. Part of the reason why I wanted to show you this shirt is because I wanted to show you that I finished. Yeah. You're like, he doesn't do cardio. Yes, I do. <laughs> okay. And so here's what it is. You run in the race, and they give you this shirt. And this shirt, when it started, for those in the back, you may not be able to tell, but when the shirt started, it was bright white. I put the shirt on and it ran through all the mud and got so muddy and washed it like five, six, eight, ten times. I don't know how many I washed it. I washed it a bunch of times. And now this is just what the shirt looks like. If you can't tell in the back, it's all kind of gray. There's like gray spots all over it. And here's what happens. This is oftentimes how we look as humans. We go throughout life and we trip in the mud and we make a mistake and we got regret and we got shame and we started out right, but it comes out we got, and we, we're going throughout life. And then what happens is, give me that one, there, there you go. Give me, then what happens is we take it and we're like, oh, well, I got some dirt on me. And so we, we do our best to try to clean it. We do whatever we can. We're, we're scrubbing and we're, we're hoping and we're, we're trying to go through that 12-step process and we're doing all those things. And I'm not hating on those things, but here's what happens. Then we, we end up looking like this and we're like, I don't know what's the problem. The problem is God never intended for us to try to clean ourselves. God is not expecting us to live pure on ourselves. In fact, I would say this, without God, we cannot be pure. He is the one that makes us pure. And so I love it because the scripture says that he gives us a new heart. The Bible says that if we accept Jesus in our lives, the Bible says we become new creations. The old life is gone. It's not I have to scrub to try to figure out. I don't have to scrub to try to fit in. I don't have to scrub to try to, to get the things right so I can go to church the way I want to. No, he gives me a new heart, meaning this. Here we go. This is what it looks like. Then we come in. It's not I, I wash that one off. He gives me a brand new heart. So now this is the starting point of a pure heart. It's now I don't have to. I, I've been through a lot. 
I've been through all kinds of struggles. And, oh, Pastor Jordan, if you knew my past. And, oh, if you knew the decisions I made. And, oh, you knew the relationships I went through. It's a mess. But this is the great thing about the God we serve. He doesn't want us just to wash this off. No. He completely gives us a new heart. This life is old and gone and dead and buried, the scripture says. And now we have a new heart. And this is the starting point to a pure heart. We can't have a pure heart without walking with Christ. He is the one that renews us and gives us a new heart. It's important that we understand this. Here, you can take all that before I hurt you. There you go. And so it's important we understand this. And here's oftentimes what happens. If we know that God is the one that gives us the new heart, I can't get it. I can't earn it. I can't do something for it. God gives it to us because he loves us. He gives us a new heart when we believe in him. That shows me this. My responsibility is not on getting a pure heart. See, oftentimes as believers and as humans, we try to get and and obtain purity. That's not the case. God gives us a new heart. He makes us the song, the hymn we sing, white as snow. So my responsibility is not to get purity. He makes me pure. My responsibility then is to keep myself pure. He's given me a new heart. And so now my role is now as I walk out and say, give me a new heart. And then I walk out this, this pure in heart. Now my role, my responsibility is now to continue to walk out and keep myself pure the way God is asking me and calling me to live. The scripture says in Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 23, it says, guard your heart above all else. Because everything in life, everything you do flows from it. Guard your heart. How do I keep myself pure? We're talking about, okay, God gives me the new heart. Well, how do, I, how do I keep myself pure in heart? I have to guard my heart. Because everything in my life flows from my heart. The way that I speak, it flows from my heart. The way that I act, it flows from my heart. The decisions I make, it flows from my heart. The way that I speak to someone or teach, talk to someone or respond to someone that likes me or doesn't like me, it flows from my heart. How do I really walk and keep purity in my life? It's not don't touch. It's I got to guard my heart. How do we guard our hearts? I'm glad you asked. There's an old saying. Many of you know it. It's an old saying, but it's see no evil, hear no evil, and See no evil, hear no evil, and seven people. We're close. See no evil, hear no evil, and there it is. We speak no evil. As old of a saying as this is, it's so important that we understand this is really how we guard our hearts. Here's the question we have to ask. What am I looking at? Because what I look at gets into my heart. What am I listening to? What are the words that are people speaking into my life? Because what I hear gets into my heart. What am I speaking? Because what I speak to myself and those around me gets into my heart. So if I really want to guard my heart, I have to watch what I see. I have to watch what I hear and I have to watch what I say. It's very practical as it is. It'll change your life. A pure heart starts with a new heart. Proverbs chapter 16 and verse 2, it says, All of a person's ways seem pure to them. But motives are weighed by the heart. All of a person's ways seem pure. But to the Lord, his, he, he, his but motives, excuse me, are weighed by the heart. A pure heart is a new heart, but also a pure heart is a weighed heart. Weighed. Weigh the motives 
of why we do what we do. Psalms chapter 51 and verse 10, it says, Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Renew a right spirit within me. The motive behind it. You ever heard the term, uh, what's the spirit behind it? What's the motive behind it? Another word for it. So, God, I want, you to, I want you to give me a new heart. But now, God, as I walk out and live my life, God, I want you to evaluate the motives of my heart. I want you to weigh the motives. Why is it that we do what we do? Have you ever stopped and asked yourself why you do some of the things you do? See, oftentimes as humans, what we do is we wait to evaluate until we are broken. Meaning this. Most of us in the room, most of us, let's be honest, there's some of y'all, you know what I'm saying, you're good at what you do, but most of us, we don't go to the doctor until we're sick. Now, few of us in the room, we may do our annuals. Let's be honest, it's like biannual, you know what I'm saying? Like, like you're supposed to, uh, it is what it is. Most of us, we wait until we're sick to go to the doctor. In fact, most of us, even when we're sick, we're like, ah, I don't want to go to the doctor. We'll ride it out. Why? Because most of the time, human nature is we wait to evaluate until something is broken. Most of us, we don't just take our cars to the mechanic. It's running smooth, everything's good, everything's riding, everything's, no, no, no lights on, you know what I'm saying? Some of us, we wait till the light comes on and we put a sticker over the light, come on somebody. It's like, there's a check engine light. No, that's not, that's a Jesus love you sticker, praise God. Most of us don't evaluate until we are broken. Well, this is not the way God wants us to live spiritually because if that's the case, then we get so far gone, then we're walking in shame and regret when God is wanting us to search our hearts and him, for him to weigh our motives and help us see those motives so that we can continue to be who he's called us to be. I love David in Psalms chapter 139. It says, search me, O Lord, my God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way of everlasting. Search my heart, oh God. See, David knew the concept. He wasn't waiting until he was broken. No, God, I want you to evaluate my heart. Evaluate the motive behind what I'm doing. Why? Because God, I love you so much. I want to continue to honor you with my life. Have you ever stopped for a moment and evaluated the motives behind why you do what you do? Sir, ma'am, why is it that you have to be at the office that many hours? Sir, ma'am, why is it that you feel like you need that $10,000 bonus to be happy? Sir, ma'am, why is it that you feel like you need to be in that relationship? Why is it that you feel like you have to get that certain degree in order to be fulfilled? Why is it that you, why, what are the motives behind what we're doing? Why is it that we are coming to church? You're like, what are you talking about? Because of Jesus. But what's the motive behind it? Because if we're just coming to check a box on a list of saying, oh, I went to church this week and so now I can feel good throughout my week, my motive is wrong. God doesn't look at the outward, it says. The scripture says he looks at the heart, the motive of the heart. Why are we doing what we're doing? What's the purpose behind why we're doing what we're doing? Many of you know recently uh, there was an, a bill that was... I guess canceled is the best way to, to say it. There was a bill that was overturned, and I'm talking about the overturning of Roe versus Wade. Many of you know. If you don't know, you can look it up. I don't want to get into details today, but it's been interesting to me in the last couple of weeks to watch the response from both sides. 
I'm gonna say it this way. I'm not even gonna say interesting to me. I'm gonna say sad to me to see the response from both sides. Here's the interesting thing as we're talking about our, the motives and why we do what we do. You know, the scripture says, and I'm just let me talk to both sides for a moment, that for those that may be uh, uh, against, uh, oh, not against, those that may be for abortion, I want to read a scripture to you in Psalms chapter 139 and verse 13. Why You may be wondering why people are celebrating. Let me explain it to you right here. It says, you made all the delicate inner parts of my body, and you knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day has passed. I'm giving you the why behind the what. You may be in the room or you may be online saying, why are people celebrating that, the, the saying that uh, Roe v. Wade was overturned? One of the reasons why, the most important reason is because we believe that every life is a life, okay? Now, I know there's all kinds of situations throughout all different circumstances. I've had all, if you knew the kind of conversations I've had with people of why they think this or why, they think, I'm not getting into all that. I'm just telling you what we believe here as a church. We believe that every life is a life, okay? Now, that being said, that's where, as far as I want to go with that on that side, I want to talk to the Christian side for a moment on the way that we as a culture has, have, has responded and the reasons why. It's interesting to me that we've watched People, they, they, they're celebrating and they're shouting the overturning of Roe versus Wade, which is great. And then someone will say something that is against that. And then these Christians who are very much representing Christ then get frustrated and mad and angry and respond in a negative way towards those people. That is not Christ-like, number one. So now we're celebrating, but then we're putting Christ in a wrong light. So there's no need to celebrate. Okay, you're like, oh, lives don't matter. That's not what I'm talking about. I just told you, we believe every life is, is, is a life. That's not what I'm saying, okay? But here's what I do know. It's interesting to me because I think from what I've seen, there are some people on this planet. I'm not saying it's you. I'm not saying anybody in this room. I'm not saying anybody online. But I'm saying there are some people in this plan on this planet, and I, this is what I had to ask myself. Why are all these people celebrating? Why are, they, why are they acting like this? I think some people on this planet, they're celebrating solely based on the fact is because they feel like they won. They've taken some L's lately. Maybe in their, 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 their political party or they've taken some L's in their relationships. They've taken some L's and so they get excited because finally they got a dub. They got themselves a dub. So woo, we're celebrating. Woo, we're cheering. Yeah, it's great. And again, that's cool. That's all good. Okay, I'm glad you're celebrating. But here's what I know. If we celebrate and if we shout and we don't turn around and serve, our celebrating is in vain. See, oftentimes, let me just talk to you for a second. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry if this is too serious for you, but oftentimes what we do as Christians is we become couch Christians, armchair quarterbacks. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Well, we sit on the sidelines, and go, woo, yeah, oh, finally, yeah, okay, we got to win, woo, and that's great. That's awesome. We did, again, I believe we got to win. Yes, I believe it's awesome, okay? We'll talk more about that. If you, if you don't agree, we'll talk more about that later, but here's what I do know. I do know that this is the time when we get a win, I believe it's the time that the church, and when I say the church, I don't mean me, I mean all of us together. This is the time for us to stand up and rise up and serve like never before. Because here's what we know. That means there's gonna be more people up for adoption. 
Here's what we know. It's gonna be there's more people in, this, in the foster care system. Here's what we know. That means there's gonna be more single moms that can't afford a home or can't afford a ride or can't afford, there's gonna be all, there's, with this victory comes all types of different situations. In fact, I'll say this, oftentimes in the scripture, when we see favor or we see somebody, something to celebrate, oftentimes that's when the men and women God go to work. You look at Noah. The Bible says that he found favor with God. He found favor with God and then God said, from finding favor with God, God then said, build a boat. For 120 years, Noah built a boat because he found favor with God. We found favor with God in this situation. And so now it's time for men and women of God to say, okay, now it's time for us to stand up, rise up, and now we got to start going to work and helping people around us. I'm believing as a church, and we're going to do it. You're just gonna, I'm believing you're going to jump on with us, but we, we already help with foster care system stuff, and we already help with pregnancy center stuff, and we already help with giving out diapers. We help with all that. We help with single moms. But I'm, I want to take it to a whole nother level. Like my heart, no joke, like I'm praying, like I want to, somebody's going to bless us as a church with land and I want to build homes for single moms. I don't want to just be a church that adopts kids. I want to adopt kids. I want to be a church that we are constantly, consistently adopting people. I want to be a church that's involved in foster care. Not, we're given to foster care, but also we're helping foster people. I want to be a church that, listen, we adopt kids, but we also adopt single moms. And we say, hey, you know what? I'm, you, you want that child. You don't want to give up that child, but you can't afford that child. So here's what I'm going to do. Hey, come live with us, and we're going to walk with you, and you're going to pay for your food, and we're going we're to walk with you, and we're going to take care of your hospital bills. And hey, we're going to take care of anything you need. Why? Because we want to be a people that rises up in time of need, not sinks down and just celebrates from the back. Because if we're just celebrating and we're not serving, we're doing it wrong. It breaks my heart as a, as a country. We can celebrate something so great, but yet nobody wants to get up and say, let me do the work to help you now because I know this is a big deal. And so whatever it takes, if I got to give up some of the things that I want, if I got to take out of my retirement, if I got to maybe sell a car or a boat, you know what, I want to do it. Why? Because my heart is I want to serve you. Why? Because that's what a pure heart looks like. It's not selfish and caught up in self and what we want and our picket fences and our three kids but no it's an opportunity for us to say God you've blessed us so I want to bless somebody else you're like man this dude is crazy yes I absolutely am why because why are we doing what we're doing if we're not doing it to help somebody else all the money in the world we're leaving behind we can save it all. We can have the biggest homes on the planet. We can have the nicest boats and cars. And all those things are great. But all those things are getting left behind. What are we doing to help people? A pure heart that I can evaluate my motives and say, why are we doing what we're doing? This, I believe, is the heart of God that we would be a people that stand up and say, I want to serve others. I want to be somebody that gives my life for others. Psalms chapter 51 in verse 15. It says, oh Lord, open my lips and my mouth will declare your praise. 
Oh Lord, open my lips, and your mouth and my mouth will declare your praise. A pure heart is a new heart. A pure heart is a weighed heart. But then also a pure heart is an honoring heart. It's an honoring heart. He says, open my lips and my mouth will declare your praise. My mouth will declare honoring you. And you know, I believe honoring God, and this is what purity really is. It's saying, I'm going to choose with my life to honor him with the decisions and the choices that I make. We can get into a situation where we believe in Jesus and we feel good about life and, okay, we're serving God now. We're, we, we've accepted him and so now I've got that new heart. I've, I'm pure in heart and that's great. But here's what happens. It can't just stop there. Christianity and a relationship with God was not supposed to be fire insurance. Like, whoo! I'm not burning! Not me. Woo! New heart, new heart, new heart. New heart, new heart. It's not supposed to be a fire insurance, but in fact, it's supposed to be a life where, yes, we get a new heart, but then also now, I want to choose to honor him with the way that I'm living my life, with the decisions I'm making. Here's the question I would ask you with the things in your life. As you evaluate them, we just talked about it, weighing it. As you evaluate our lives, does it honor him? Does that business decision, does it honor him? Does that relationship, does it honor God? The things in the relationship, does it honor God? Does that post that you post, does it honor God? Does the way that you treat your spouse, does it honor God? Does the way that you treat your parents, does it honor God? Does the places that you go when no one else is around, does it honor God? Do the websites that you look at, do they honor God? Do the dance moves that you dance, do they honor God? I'll tell you this. I'll tell you this. Lip, hips don't lie. Lips or hips, but hips don't lie. I'll tell you that right now. Does the movies that we watch, do they honor God? Do the TV shows that we watch, do they honor God? Do the songs that we listen to, do they honor God? Oh, I'm just listening to it for the beat. You don't understand, Pastor. This is a, this is a banger, man. This is beast. Mm, this is a bop. Mm, mm. I don't even know if people still say bop. If you don't know what bop means, me either. I just heard young people say it, so it's cool. You're like, oh, Pastor Jordan, you're getting real legalistic. Like, like TV shows and music. And Here's my, here's my, my thought. Here's my concern about our culture and Christianity. We have swung around the word legalistic so much so that I think it's allowed us to justify sin. See, here's what legalistic is. Let me explain to you. I'm gonna give you, we're gonna go with Bible College 101, okay? 
Legalistic is this. I'm following a bunch of rules to receive love. See, that's religion. Religion says I got to do a bunch of things to be accepted or welcomed by God, loved by God. Relationship, check it out. Relationship is I'm loved by God. I understand I'm loved, and from being loved, now I'm going to fulfill the responsibilities of keeping a healthy relationship. See, if you're married in the room, your relationship is not legalistic. Your relationship is out of love. You choose to, to refrain or stay away from certain things because you love that person. You're, you committed your life to that person, and so now you're saying, I'm choosing to walk away from certain things to do or not to do certain things because you love them. See, oftentimes as Christians, what we do is say, oh, Pastor Jordan, you're being legalistic. It's just a TV show. It's just music. It's just a movie. Oh, you're being legalistic. Wait, 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 wait. That's not, this is not, that is not the question. The question is not, is it legalistic or is it not? The question is, is it honoring God or not? Because in my relationship with my wife, I want to honor her. And so from honoring her, I choose to do or not do what it based on honoring her. It's the same thing with our relationship with God. We have taken legalistic and we've put it into a bat and we've swung it around so much so. So now we can just do and see and be whoever we want to be because, oh, we're not legalistic. No. We don't, oh, no, we don't have rules. No, we don't have rules. That's legalism. That's religion. But we do have responsibilities in a relationship. Any healthy relationship, talk to them. If you know somebody, oh, my gosh, if you know somebody in a healthy relationship, ask them if there are relational responsibilities. Or ask them if they do whatever they want. No. There's relational responsibilities. Why? Because it's a choosing to honor them based on your desire to live in a healthy relationship. It's the same thing with God. If you choose to live in a healthy relationship with God, you are going to choose to walk in the responsibilities of staying away from the things God doesn't want you to do and choosing the things he does want you to do. It's part of the healthy relationship between you and him. It's not whether he loves you or not. You can choose the wrong thing. He will still love you the same. It's not about love. It's being based out of love. I choose responsibilities. Does that make sense? Make sense? If it doesn't make sense, I'm sorry. It's the Bible, okay? It's important that we understand this because oftentimes we have gotten to the place where we'll justify things and we'll evaluate things based on, oh, I just don't want to be legalistic so I can listen to this song. And it's filling our minds with sexual thought processes and it's filling our minds with, 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 with anger and all these different things. And it's, it's a song, oh, it's just a beat. No, it, is it honoring God? Oh, it's just a Netflix show, Pastor Jordan. Oh, everybody's seen this one. Ho, oh, oh, everybody's seen this one. Oh, everybody. Is it honoring God? Well, I don't know if it, it might not be honoring God. That means nobody's honoring God. We don't base our decisions based on what others are doing. We base our decisions on as we pray, as we seek God, as we put the TV show on. We ask the Holy Spirit, God, does this honor you? If it doesn't, you know what we need to do? We need to turn it off. So this is business decision. God, does it honor you? It's going to make me a lot more money, and it's going to make me a lot more secure in the future. But God, does it honor you? Because if it doesn't honor you, I don't want anything to do with it, God, because a million dollars in my hands is way worse than $10 in your hands. Is it honoring him? 
in every area of our lives. This is what a walking in a pure heart looks like in every area that we would stop and we would say, God, does it honor you? Psalms chapter 51 and verse 16 says, you do not desire a sacrifice or I would offer one. You do not want a burnt offering. The sacrifice you desire is a broken spirit. We talked about that in week one of Beatitudes about a poor in spirit. It's one who is, seeks God and has nothing but God. And then you will not reject a broken a repentant heart. A pure heart is a new heart. It's a weighed heart. It's an honoring heart, but then also it's a repentant heart. A repentant heart. And the concept of a repentant heart means this. I understand we make mistakes. We're doing our best to honor him, but if we don't in the decision, I want to be quick to repent. Quick to say I'm sorry. And repentance is not just I'm sorry. Repentance is I'm sorry. I don't just feel bad about it. I'm sorry. But it, because I'm sorry, repentance is now I'm changing and shifting the direction in the course of my life to not make that same mistake again. So I'm repentant. And it's quick. It's, okay, I'm walking with you. I'm trying to honor you. Okay, I made that wrong decision. I, I spoke to my wife the wrong way. Okay, that business decision or whatever it was. I, okay, God, I'm sorry. Forgive me. And now from forgive me, I'm shifting. And now I'm going to walk and I'm, I'm going to turn. And I'm going to live a different way in my life. A repentant heart. Very quickly as we close today. Lastly, in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 8. It says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. A pure heart is a new heart. A pure heart is a weighed heart. A pure heart is an honoring heart. A pure heart is a repentant heart. And lastly, a pure heart is a clear heart. A clear heart. It says, blessed are the poor, pure. Excuse me, not pure. I can't even talk. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. A pure heart is one that is a clear heart. They will see God. Here in the scripture, Jesus is talking, and he's not, he's not necessarily saying that if you have a pure heart that you're going to wake up and Jesus is going to be at the end of your bed, and you're going to see him shining in his glory. Now, that may happen, and that's cool. If so, film it. I'd love to see it. But that's not necessarily what he's talking about. He's talking about twofold here. Blessed are the pure in heart who they will see God in eternity. If we're pure in heart and we have integrity here, we will see God in eternity. We will all one day be face-to-face with Jesus, and we'll, we'll, we'll meet him in his glory, okay? That's one. But then also, he's also talking about uh, seeing him through the eyes of our heart. Let me show it to you in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 18. It says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his, and his incomparable great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realm. See, when we're the pure in heart, they will see God. Yes, we'll see him in eternity, but also we'll see him here through the eyes of our heart and see him through the things that he does in our lives. It says that I love it. If you want to read it one more time, it says that I will lighten, I pray that your eyes will be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you to, your purpose. See, we'll see God through our purpose and as we are directed. You ever been praying and seeking God and when you're trying to make a decision and you're trying to make a, a major life decision on direction and, and you're like, okay, God, I feel like there's peace being led here. You make the decision and then later on you turn around and you see God's hand all throughout it. That's seeing God. 
I know we have the same, our story with Tallahassee. Many of you know our story. We were not planning on being in Tallahassee. God called us here. We felt like this is where he called us. We had no, knew really nobody here hardly. And so we, we came here and we just continued to pray and have, we continued to seek God. And now we look back and now people come to me like, oh my gosh, of course you're called to Tallahassee. I'm like, yeah, where were you four years ago? But here's the thing. It shows us a perfect picture of as we seek him, he'll enlighten us and he'll enlighten the the eyes of our heart and we'll see him through the purpose and which he's called us to. Then it says, in the riches of his glorious inheritance and his holy people, the riches of his his glorious inheritance, we'll see the blessing of God. As we seek God and we're pure in heart, you'll see the blessings in your relationship. And when I say blessing, we're not just talking about money. You'll see the blessings in your relationships. You'll see the blessings of favor in your life. And you'll see the blessings of peace and joy and hope in your life. You'll see these things. Why? Because you're pure in heart. Then he says, in his incomparable great power for us who believe that power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he rose, raised Christ from the dead. And seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. We'll see him through our purpose and through his blessings and also through his authority that he's given us. The Bible says that Jesus came and he has all authority. And now Jesus says that he gives us that same authority. So now we are no longer slaves to sin. Or we're no longer slaves to fear. We're no longer slaves to insecurity. We're no longer slaves. Now we have authority over those things because of Jesus. So something before you had the clean heart, maybe you were struggling with and you couldn't get over. Now the authority of Christ that is now in you because of what he did for us. Now you have that same authority that he had, the same power that he had. So now that you can speak to those things and you can walk out and live with a true, pure heart in your life. Blessed are those with a pure heart for they will truly see God. What is a pure heart? How do we really walk it out very quickly, practically, exactly what we said? We need to be quick to guard our hearts. We need to be quick to evaluate. We need to be quick to honor. I want to I set my life up where before I even make the decision, I'm asking the Holy Spirit, does this honor you? And if it doesn't, I don't even have to think about it. I'm moving on. When that friend invites me somewhere, and we know that sometimes that place may not, okay, the Holy Spirit, does, it, does this honor you? Nope, doesn't honor you. Okay, here's what I'm going to do. I'll go. Oh, well, you're going to be by yourself. You're going to be sitting home. You're going to be looking like a loser. Who cares? I'd rather be a loser honoring God any day than somebody looking like I'm not a loser dishonoring God. I want to honor God with my life. Why? Because I know the God that I serve, if I honor him, I know he's going to take care of me. And then we need to be quick to honor, and then we need to be quick to repent. God, I'm sorry. I made the mistake. I'm going to shift. I'm going to continue to live the way you've called me to live. I believe this is how we really walk out and live a life with a pure heart. Amen. Can we pray today, Father? Thank you.